gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. Here in this bog of dead trees are the most powerful forces of podcasters ever assembled. Rick Morgan, child of the 70s and defender of the 80s. Danny Bennett, small in stature, tall in power, narrow of purpose, and wide of vision. And their space monkey, Glee, searching the galaxy for frights to kill. Dedicated to horror, science fiction, and movies that are just cool for all mankind. And now, for the people responsible for global warming, here's Rick and Denny. Look out, mama! <laughs> Yo! Yeah! Yeah! Here we come! Bring on free! Good morning, Arkandelphia! This is WCKN, the chicken. Remember to take off from the roost a little early. There's a monster pileup on every major highway. There's storms this afternoon, so take your umbrella, or as the British call it, bumper shoot. Wrong show, wrong show. Oh, we're not on the chicken anymore? We're not on the chicken. Forget the chicken. Are right, my living yesterday again? Yes. All right, this is, well. This is... The Helming Power Hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing that now. That's right. All right, listeners, welcome back to episode number two, The Deuce, of the Helming Power Hour. I am Rick, Rick Morgan, one of the co-hosts here, and I'm here with my brother from another Steva, Danny Bennett. <laughs> that's right, there's a werewolf bitch involved somewhere. Uh, that's right, I'm Danny Bennett, and I'm here with my friend Rick Morgan, and we're ready to talk a little more about some movies that we love. Man, have we got it for you today. So we've got two movies from 1986 that we're both very fond of, and we like to, I mean, I want to call this segment something. I don't know if Danny's up for this or not, but both movies have the incredible actor Victor Wong in it. So I want to call this episode, Me Love You Wong Time. I don't see how I can stop you. Me Love You Wong Time, episode number two. So we're going to be talking about The Incredible Big Trouble in Little China, and it's, I don't know, Siamese twin nemesis, The Golden Child. Yeah, yet another movie from the 80s that used uh, Asian intrigue and uh, had just a really convoluted and interesting plot. Uh, Again, as we mentioned in the first episode, something you probably wouldn't see made today. Uh, appreciate you guys looking at the Facebook page and telling us kind of what you like about the show and what you don't. <laughs> and for you that don't, you can just go. No, really, we're, we appreciate it. We're still learning what to do here and what you people like. Uh, there is a few things we wanted to talk about <laughs> that uh, just to clear the air a little bit. Um, we don't tell the truth all the time. 
And uh, I had a lot of people messaging me, and Danny did as well, as far as, is that true? Is that what really happened? So uh, Jackie Gleason did not uh, take out a theater to watch Crawl, but I'm sure he would have. That's right. And uh, uh, the the Smoking the Bandit 3 was not made from the script from Crawl. So, so to clarify some of those, oh, Peter McNichol is not the brother to Christy McNichol. That was totally out there, too. That would have been pretty cool, though, if they yeah. were. I, I, I was... I was kind of believing you on that one. <laughs> and then uh, I, your your Pee Wee Herman one is, I think, great. So Yeah, that dragon should have got an Oscar, but I don't think it was beat out that year by um, by Pee Wee Herman, by uh, Paul Rubens. <laughs> so in order to give you kind of a heads up of what's truth and whatnot, we decided that we would use the almighty. Helming. So, so every time you hear that, we're lying. We're having fun. Not telling the truth, but that's what you'll hear. Helming. All right. <laughs> Just Thank you, to Brian clarify. Blessed. That's right. The great Brian Blessed, which is in a movie that we'll cover in an episode or two from now. So uh, uh, you guys on the Facebook page, hey, feel free to share pictures, ideas, movie requests. Throw all that stuff out there so we'll just have something to go on. Um, you no, know, I think you covered it. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, just like you, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we're having fun. And uh, if you want to quote our facts to people, then just realize that you might end up looking like you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we're just going to keep it going deadpan as anything and make it sound as real, as viable as possible. But uh, Hail Ming, good old Brian Blessed, he'll let you know what the truth is. Also, we were asked <laughs> about a rating system. And uh, it's a great question. Matter of fact, a, a lifelong friend of mine, Amy Cross, requested we have some sort of rating system. And I'm not saying we're against rating systems. I think at this point, though, all the movies we're bringing up are stuff that we love so much that they would all get tens automatically. I think if we started getting into things that we're not so fond of or stuff we haven't seen, then the rating system might make sense. So right now, as far as I'm concerned, everything you're hearing is a ten. But I'll tell you what we'll do just for kicks. We'll start uh, throwing some kind of uh, <laughs> some kind of system of 1 through 10 just to make you happy. Yeah, yeah. And, and if it comes to the point where we're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel of our favorite movies, then obviously they will get to be 6s and 7s or maybe even 5s or 4s. And uh, at that point, a rating system will make more sense. And we want to come up with something that's really going to knock your socks off. So. That's right. Hope that makes you happy. I know the kids are happy. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with Big Trouble in Little China. All right. This movie is really what brought us together. We both love this movie immensely. It's probably the biggest movie that we can talk about as fans, and trying to cut this down to make it fit a format for this show is just going to be ridiculous. So we may go a little long. Who knows? So to give us an IMBD synopsis, here's South Park's Crappy Mr. Mackey. Okay. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. Okay, it's uh, Ray PG-13, 99 minutes long. <laughs> it's almost an hour 40. It's an action, adventure, and a comedy. An all-American trucker gets dragged into a centuries-old mystical battle in Chinatown. Okay, it's about 7.3 out of 10. About 87,768 people have seen it. Okay, it's got about, uh... Some good actors and actresses, you know. Uh, Kurt Russ is Jack Burton. What's really interesting is Kate Burton plays Margot. So Kate Burton's 
fake brother's character is Jack Burton. How about that? Okay. John Carpenter is the director. The best quote is Pinstripe Lars says, What I'd like to do today is get your version of what happened. Oh, you mean the truth? Of course. First, just state your name, your occupation for the record, okay? He says, oh, Egg Shin, bus driver. Okay, pretty, pretty good, pretty good movie. You should go see it, okay? Because it's good. Yeah, I think this uh, this may go a long time there for you. <laughs> uh, definitely, this is a movie that is going to, uh, it's going to take a lot to synopsis, you know, to bring it down, because just like so many of these movies, there isn't a dull moment. It moves from thing to thing, and there really isn't a time where you could, you know, get up and go to the bathroom without missing something pretty awesome. But yeah, man, Big Trouble in Little China. Actually, the the original name for this podcast was going to be based off of Big Trouble in Little China, but uh, just didn't seem to work out. But uh, we we're just tickled to get to get get the chance to talk about this one, man. This is huge for us. So, uh, and, you know, the first thing about this movie to talk about. It's just the combination of Kurt Russell and, and uh, John Carpenter. It's a powerhouse team. Yeah, as a matter of fact, if you listen to the uh, the commentary on the DVD, it's it's John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, and it's just like you're sitting on the couch with them. It's fantastic to listen to them talk to each other about the movie and about their career together. And I agree, it's a it's a winning combination, the two of them. One thing I really love, <laughs> I mean, just the the Jack Burton character altogether. The fact that he's driving in the middle of the night at the beginning of this with the storm and he's really talking to nobody. It's true. And, and he's, a. Uh, actually I was reading the commentary on that. I was watching the commentary and they were talking about the fact that the producers um, who did a lot of things, they didn't understand this movie. They, they wanted there to be a little more explanation of Jack Burton as a hero. So they wanted to add that whole section and you can, you know, I think it works. I mean, as, as odd as it is, and it might've been against what they wanted to do, I think it's fantastic because it really gives you more of the bravado that makes Jack Burton such a such a likable and uh, an entertaining character. So obviously he's driving the incredible Pork Chop Express. Uh, I can't tell you how many cars or vehicles I've had in my lifetime that were named the Pork Chop Express. It's just a given. <laughs> it, it's true, and, and you know the uh, I can't say that I've ever ridden in a Pork Chop Express. <laughs> Ricks or otherwise, um, but it's a great name for for the the old chuck wagon that he's driving around, and uh, the, just the fact that he drives it right into Chinatown. You know, he's, he doesn't have a load or anything. He's just driving that cab. We'll just continue with the. If you're watching this movie, here are the things that you need to make sure that you don't miss. Uh, Jack Burton drives into town in the middle of the night and ends up playing pie gal uh, with a bunch of you know people in Chinatown all night long and winning all their money because you know he's a he's a gambler and he's a he's pretty good at it and he's a, a loud mouth about it and you know by morning it's just him and his buddy Wang Chi who uh was played by Dennis Dunn and actually was was kind of the hero of the movie it's it's one of those things that uh Russell and, and Carpenter talk about is that they wanted to make it kind of like the sidekick was the hero and the hero was the sidekick and so for that reason Jack Burton's kind of a blowhard and uh and he's kind of a doofus but he's he's a lot of fun and uh and the two of them end up you know together at the end and of course there's a bet that yes. Wang Chi can cut the glass bottle in half with his meat cleaver yeah that's going to happen yeah yeah well you know of course it didn't because his uh, mind and his body were going north and south <laughs> over meow yin her real name is Susie Pai very good i 
you know, Mao Yin is a Chinese girl with green eyes, which is a, a point. There is a demon who's looking for Chinese girls with green eyes, but we can just keep on rolling through the movie. So no, 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 hold on. Uh, <laughs> we can't roll through because there's something about Susie Pie we got to talk about. She was a penthouse playmate or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, why would not Lopan be after a penthouse model, right? So uh, well, and. He was also by the end of the movie. He's after Kim Cattrall, who again, you know, at, at the point at this point, the producers didn't want to use her because she had been in such racy movies as uh, as Porky's and uh, and uh, Police Academy. Wow, they, they, racy. They had, <laughs> yeah, they had an issue with it. Well, in the eighties, man, that was you get to the point to where they're going to the airport to pick up Miao Yin. That's where you get introduced to Kim Cattrall. And uh, some great lines at the airport, man. Those are just great. Oh. Yeah, the exchange between Jack Burton and, and Gracie Law, who, yeah. uh, you know, is Kim Cattrall, it's fantastic. And then um, it's something just right out of, uh, you know, out of Bringing Up Baby, out of an old Howard Hawks movie. The dialogue is just rapid fire. And the two of them yeah, you really be, have a chemistry. You ought to be standing down here. It's Miller time. And he goes... You know what I say when it's Miller time? I mean, just great lines. Yeah, yeah, and And he walks walks up to her and says, can I ask you a question? She goes, absolutely not. (laughs) Which I've used many, many times as far as just a quick response to somebody. So uh, definitely stole from that movie. Yeah, we we can owe that all to Kim Cattrall. Um, Hey, that rhymed. Yeah, there you go. It's awesome. So in the uh, airport, you meet Gracie Law, but you also meet the Lords of Death. Do you have anything to say about the Lords of Death killer sunglasses? Well, the sunglasses are the coolest thing about them. I don't know why they're called Lords of Death because they don't dress like Lords of Death. They dress it, like uh, like an eighties techno band. Well, you know, to be fair, in the eighties, uh, techno bands were the Lords of Death. Well, you know, they were pretty cool, though. You know, they they had uh, they had smuggled some contraband weapons through the uh, through the airport doors and and uh, fought Jack Burton off uh, while they stole Mao Yin. Right, put her in the trunk of a Firebird, which is a task all its to itself, really. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. The um, the whole exchange there, where they meet the Lords of Death, they run away, and uh, and and Mao Yin gets stolen. Yeah, Wang Chi's heartbroken because she's the love of his life. If we haven't mentioned that already, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, then of course Wang Chi and Jack Burton have to go find her. And this is a fantastic scene. But just to keep us on track, we got Jack Burton in the Pork Shop Express. We got playing Pai Gao all night. We got the uh, cutting the bottle in half with the meat cleaver. Wang Chi fails in that one and has to pay nothing or double. And then uh, they go to the airport. Meet Gracie Law, meet the Lords of Death, and there's a Firebird. Now, <laughs> on our way, where uh, they end up in an alleyway where there's uh, all hell about to break loose. Yes. Uh, funeral procession going on. That's right. It's a funeral. The uh, the Chang Sang are, are having a funeral for one of their fallen leaders. And uh, Wang Chi explains all this. Uh, and while that's going on, they look over and, and what do they see? They see uh, the first Wing Kong. For all you bad movie lovers, this first bad guy that they see that has the two pistols, 
on his sides is also in the movie Samurai Cop. That's right, Samurai Cop, which we had a good time watching when we got together to make the first podcast. Ooh, I, I don't recommend going and watching it unless you just really want to watch something bad. But this dude's in there. And uh, I don't think he's the first one you see, as a matter of fact. Um, Maybe not. Is it the dude that's Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted? Yeah. His name is Al Long. Uh, and, you know, he's the long-haired uh, Asian guy who's in... Um, Wait a minute. What? His name's Al? Al. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, but, but, you know, I, I would say that probably one of the most recognizable things he's in, other than Bill and Ted, as, you know, like you said, as Genghis Khan, is uh, him in Die Hard. He's in He's one of the terrorists in Die Hard. He's in... He's always, He's in She's Having a Baby. He's the photographer, and she's having a baby. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say right now that if this doesn't happen, I'm going to have to boycott something uh, until there is a Lifetime Achievement Award for Al Long. You hear that, Academy Awards? No Al Long? We're protesting. I've already protested them until they give a Lifetime Achievement Award to John Carpenter, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. <laughs> that's it, Oscars. Yeah. You're dead to me. Um <laughs> But Al Long, he shows up. They look down an alley, and he's standing there with a butcher knife. Yeah. Uh, which probably would cut through a bottle. So as they're sitting in there uh, in the cab of the car, the, the two gangs uh, face off, and it gets really quiet. And then uh, Wang Chi makes a point to say, it's a Chinese standoff. Don't make a sound. <laughs> and Jack Burton pulls out his knife. And he's sitting in the cab of this truck with this little bitty knife and you've got all these guys with submachine guns and machetes <laughs> yeah i think that that uh, the knife in jack burton's boot is like a a safety blanket because he seems yeah. to pull it out when things get bad and he just kind of holds it i think it makes him feel better yeah it does <laughs> uh so the chinese standoff between the chang sing and the wing kong happened around jack burton's truck and it's all kinds of high-flying kung fu action like you never saw in the 80s up till that point yeah. i mean it was it was fantastic then all of a sudden that's when you see another big reason to watch this movie the three storms the three storms yeah and as a kid i, I only knew you know lightning but the other two are named thunder and rain which is yeah. pretty awesome and yeah. the three storms just show up in the middle of this gang fight and bring everything to a screeching halt bad news for everybody there it doesn't matter what side you're on they're just there to clean up the street. Uh, Wayne tells Jack, let's get out of here. So he just floors it and starts taking off. They just kind of step out of the way. And down at the end of the alleyway is the number one bad guy, Mr. David Lopan. Mr. David Lopan. That's right. So James Hong plays David Lopan, who is a ghost demon from ancient times, um, who has parlayed all of his demonic power into power and influence in Chinatown. Where he owns the Wing Chong, the Wing Kong Exchange, and he uses it as kind of a front uh, in his everlasting search for the girl with green eyes. Yeah, that's the part that's uh, that kind of sticks out in my mind too, because it's one, it's the first time you see David Lopan, plus the fact that you see the truck run right into him, run over him, even kind of see the wheels kind of come up off the ground where it rolls over the body, and then when Jack Burton gets out to go and go, holy crap, I just ran over somebody, and he jumps out and looks. And David Lopan is standing there looking at him, and that's when you get the great scene with the light coming out of his eyes and coming out of his mouth and, you know, crazy, over-the-top nonsense right there that's just awesome. 
And uh, Wayne grabs Jack, and they take off running, splashes a little water out of a, just a little puddle on the ground to kind of get his vision back from the lights blinded him and stuff. So that's your introduction to the bad guy. When he just walks out, shoots lights out of his mouth and his eyes, that's a pretty bad dude. At this point, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They go back to... Uh, they go back to the Dragon of the Black Pool, which is uh, Wang Chi's restaurant, and his, uh, his father lives there. And uh, there's Eddie and Uncle Chu. Uncle Chu. That's right, gonna, Uncle Chu. Actually, it's Uncle Chu. It's not his father who lives there. But if you're going to own a restaurant, why would your name not be Uncle Chu? Well, it's the Dragon of the Black Pool, <laughs> which is kind of cooler than Uncle Chu. Although, I, I get what you're going with. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Hail Ming. <laughs> I, I do want to go for just one minute back to something that I always remembered from the Chinese standoff, and then we can get back on track. Yeah. Um, Yamada has got those gold guns, yeah. and, and, he, and, he, and he you know, puts his hands down like he's a gunfighter, and he slaps the guns. And then some dude comes around a corner and just shoots everybody with a submachine gun. Yeah, you think he's going to pull the guns out and start shooting, but he, it's actually just a signal for these other guys to come out and just go to town. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, is, was that misdirection, or was it? You know, the, the guys that got shot—they look really mad about it. You know, they, they're going down, they're clutching their chests. They yeah, look mad. Shooting up the casket, right? You know, shooting up the picture of who it is that's being buried, and then yeah. you get the great scene with the breakaway posts that come out of the casket. Yeah, and become like bow staffs for all those yeah. guys to fight with. It's just awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah. Okay. Recap. So. Um, I will start off from where I left off with uh, the Lords of Death, you know, and, and uh, there's a great line that you definitely don't want to miss. When the Firebird nearly runs down Wang Chi and Jack Burton, you know, Jack Burton stands up and says, son of a bitch must pay. It's something that I've quoted all through my life, too. That's right. Well, it's a good one. All right. So they, they leave the Lords of Death, Chinatown, a lady's chopping a goose's head off. Yeah. In the, in the, uh, the the Chinese standoff, the uh, Yamada slaps the guns, the guy coming out, the breakaway posts, the three storms, lightning, thunder, and rain, green flame, and then uh, he splashes his eyes to get rid of the temporary blindness of Lopan. Uh, Lopan with light coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And here we are, back at the Dragon of the Black Pool, and, uh, and Jack Burton's on the phone with his insurance company trying to convince him why he left his truck behind. Yeah, just look under B-U-R-T-O-N, would you? I know I got an account with him, honey, because I pay him six G's a year. <laughs> so Gracie Law pops back in because she's Kim Control. Uh, there's no other reason, really. I mean, come on. That's good enough. Well, she's yeah, she's the love interest, too. And, and that's an interesting element of this is that She's the love interest. They have the chemistry. And I would say nothing ever comes of it, but it, it goes in a direction that's probably the most awesome direction for an action film and a love interest uh, ever. Yeah, I agree with that. Ever. Yeah. So out of this, they decide to go to the infamous Lady of the White Tiger, where she's where they think Miao Yin's being kept, which is basically a brothel. That's right. And uh, – and- in order to do that, they have to infiltrate. So they dress up Jack Burton in a plaid jacket and glasses, and he goes in as uh, Henry Swanson. <laughs> he says, Henry Swanson's my name, and excitement's my game. Uh, he, he's in only the way that Kurt Russell could play it. He's a super nerd. He brings up the thing about a girl having green eyes, 
and they kind of get a reaction of that and you know chinese girls don't come with green eyes well, you know and yeah the three storms bust through the ceiling take mao yin out and uh leave that whole place in uh in all kinds of chaos yeah but they realize at that point that the wing kong have now taken mao yin to lopan yeah we, we you got that wing kong mao yin to lopan the plan is to infiltrate the wing kong exchange to see if they can still get her before whatever happens to her has to happen. Yeah, they they have to they have to get into the uh, the Wing Kong Exchange, and uh, Wang and Chi makes a point to say that they will get in and out like the wind. Yeah. So what little we know about the Wing Kong Exchange, it's just basically a big cover up because this place is incredible. You've got an underground prison. <laughs> You've got. All these weird tunnels that go to things actually go down and into the ground. Just a lot of weird. This thing, yeah, that, it leads to at a, the bottom of it. It's got all these these lavish gold Mandarin hallways with uh, with with demons floating through the wall and and uh, and monsters that live in catacombs and it's a uh, it's really crazy. It's a bunch of stuff that all of a sudden this movie that looked like it might be an action movie turns into a, uh, a fairy tale. But that's what I'm saying. This place is so huge. From the outside, it just looks like this little bitty, little bitty warehouse. But it goes underground and goes to all these, all these places. And uh, I'm sure we'll tackle some of those as we go along. Yeah, I feel like we're probably um, taking longer than we normally would because, yep. like we said, this movie is going to take a little more to tackle. What you've, you've got him going into a brothel to try and save the girl. He gets stolen by the uh, the, the three storms, and you know. What should happen? But they have to go into this crazy, mystified warehouse full of all kinds of goods in order to try and save women. Just to find out that there's a prison full of women and and a crazy ghost house in the whole basement of this place. And the, the elevator that they get in, it starts filling up with water. And they open it up and they go into this place where there's all these bodies that's hung upside down that's been underwater for all this time, chained and hanging upside down. Which right, they, and. and yeah, Jack Burton says, what is this? And Wang says, the hell of the upside down centers. And that's kind of your horror elements, too. I mean, that scene that when they do that, and you'll know what I'm talking about, Danny, but uh, in Inferno, the Argento film, something oh, yeah. very, very similar happens in that. And uh, I don't know. I, I know Carpenter is, was a huge Argento fan, but he kind of took the idea of it instead of it being one body in uh, Inferno and just had them lined up underneath in the water so uh, a little tie in there for some Argento fans but uh, there's definitely some horror elements in this thing like we said all this stuff kind of relates to becoming a horror fan down the road it's exciting it's action it's comedy but it's got these elements that are kind of nightmarish too when you see them so those guys hanging upside down um, you know even the storms David Lopan these things have these scary elements to them that uh, you know just kind of stay with you. So yeah, and and yeah. One of the one of the running themes to keep your ears peeled for is, you know, Chinese have a lot of hells. Ed's <laughs> uh, Eddie says it. You know, Eddie's one of the tertiary characters, but he says, you know, Chinese have a lot of hells, and it's something that John Carpenter and uh, and uh, Kurt Russell said was that you know that was kind of something they wanted to have a lot of. Uh, there's mentioned the uh, the hell of the upside down centers, and then later Lopan threatens to send them to the hell where people are skinned alive 
you know, so uh, it's just kind of a running theme that they wanted to have a little bit of play with. Yeah. The whole underground prison thing always stuck out with me, too. And and you got all these – the guards are all women with guns, and it's just such a weird take on all that. You know, I always found that interesting, too. And Eddie and Wang Chi, they don't pull any punches with those those female prison guards, either. They yeah. beat the snot out of them. Of course, they, they get hit to, by them, too. But, you know, they, I that stuck with me from childhood, that fight scene between them, because – Women come out and they've got tanfa and they're swinging them and and they're fighting them and then you know Wang Chi just kicks one of them in the chin, <laughs> puts them down and he, it's kind of like well you know you kind of they're, they're prison guards holding a bunch of women there to be sold yeah. they kind of don't need their punches pulled they they need to get kicked in the chin. I, I love the fact that Wang just becomes a martial arts expert just kind of like overnight or instantly really. It's like. Hey. A, you know, you see. You didn't in, know if he was one before. He could have been one before. <laughs> yeah, but you go from a guy that's scared in an alleyway, sitting with Jack Burton in a truck, to the later scenes where he's flying through the air with a saber, <laughs> fighting these guys and doing everything. You know, climbing up walls and. It's that like, was after the medicine. Oh, okay. There's the explanation. So that I was after some, the medicine. He I could see things NyQuil, no one else could see. I take some Nyquil. I can do that too. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's why people take Nyquil. So, also, stuff that we see, Wing Chun Exchange, uh, <laughs> there's all kinds of monsters, man. You got the, the ugly, hairy monster that pops up from time to time. You got the floating eyeball monster, which I think, it's just my opinion, I think it's kind of a takeaway from the Flash Gordon movie where the little thing's flying over and it hears and kind of sees all. Then it's like a big tattletale. It, <laughs> it goes and reports, hey, this is what I heard. And I think this thing kind of is the same way, but it's linked directly to David Lopan. And what it sees, Lopan knows. That's right. And it's creepy looking, got eyeballs all over it, eyeball in its mouth. Those things are cool, man. Um, Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, there's a – they they get into the Wing Kong Exchange just basically by blowing past the security guards. And I think probably the reason is if people break into the Wing Kong Exchange, they don't come out anyway. The Chang Sing have this this hand sign that they do where they have one finger and one thumb pointed out. Yeah. And and uh, a friend of mine who's really big into kung fu years years ago, I I was talking with him about it, and he said that that's actually a Chinese um, military thing from when they they when they had multiple clans, it was the one army, and it, they they kind of formulated that so that they could you know unify under one banner. And I thought that was really interesting because it's again it's something from childhood that I kept. There are lots of pictures of me in my teenage years making that symbol oh, yeah, because I always thought it was cool. So another great reason to watch this movie, the burning blade ceremony. There's some crazy right. stuff going on in this. Two girls with green eyes take the ceremony where they tame the burning blade, soothe the savage heart. And that's what they have to do in order to prove themselves worthy to marry Lopan and break the curse. Yep, so Lopan's wanting to get it get it going so he can become human and not be a ghost anymore. And in order to do that, he's got to marry somebody. Hey, you know, who doesn't? So who comes in for the Burning Blade ceremony? Nobody else but the three storms. They come in with some awesome martial arts katas with some weapons, and then they bring some swords, and then the girls grab the swords, and they float up to the ceiling, and they touch the uh, the light fixture up there. <laughs> really, it looks just like a light fixture, and they touch it, and it glows, and yeah, and yeah, and and but 
they they both tame the burning blade. They both soothe the, soothe the savage heart. He will marry both women. So yeah. So I mean, that, that's what you do when you're an evil overlord. You just bury them both. Hey, one of them's got to work out, right? <laughs> well, you know, he's he's gonna he's got to sacrifice one of them. So he's like, hey, if I marry them both, then I still have one left. So at this point, Jack Burton and the boys have gotten together with the mighty Egg Shin, aka Victor Wong. That's right, Egg Shen and Victor Wong, who was also in The Golden Child that same year, and uh, as well as James Hong, was also in The Golden Child that same year. So those two guys were working hard. Lopan and Egg Shen, not only in big, uh, not only in Little China, but also in um, L.A. and Tibet, respectively. Yes. Yeah, we don't know it's really Tibet, but sure. It was really Tibet. <laughs> there was really a yak. It was really a yak. We know that much. So yeah, right. So after the burning blade ceremony, we're setting up for a wedding. So Egg Shin gets the boys all together. We're gonna go in here and rock this place, stop this wedding from happening. So, what does Egg bring with him? He brings a six demon bag. Six demon bag. What's in a six demon bag, there, Danny? It's fire, wind, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. So. And they they also have the medicine. He's got some you know some frothy drink that he pours out of a gourd, and everybody drinks it. And then they like to wax fantastic about the uh, army and the navy and the colors of the American flag, <laughs> inexplicably. It's a great little. Here's another one not to miss. Uh, Wang Chi's uh, speech about the American flag, the colors that never run, in the middle of this this fight with the uh, the the Chinese demon. He's not in the middle of the fight, but he's getting ready for the fight, and yeah. it's it really is bizarre. Oh, wait a minute. you got to talk about one of the most important things, <laughs> the needle of love. That's right. That's right. The uh, the moment of truth, the needle of love. Yeah. So he's got his... oh, we need a crowd to yell for that one. The All needle right. of love. Yeah! <laughs> uh, well, who didn't have the needle of love in their wedding ceremony? I know I sure did. It's where you, uh, you know, say your vows and then you lift up your bride's arm and then you stab it with a big old hairpin uh, as hard as you can to try and make her bleed. Because if she bleeds, obviously that means she loves you. <laughs> I think uh, Alice Cooper had a song like that, didn't he? <laughs> oh, the kids love Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah. The stabber, and if she bleeds, that means she she really cares. Yeah, <laughs> but then you break into as soon as soon as Lopan becomes flesh, it is on. <laughs> this the whole point of watching this movie, getting to this point, and this epic battle that's going on. Right. If you thought that the that the Chinese standoff at the beginning was something, well, you didn't see the wedding fight sequence because that was outstanding. Yeah, it's it's worth your price of admission just for that. Five minutes of over-the-top action going on. Action and David Lopan playing the almost kind of video gameish fight between the each wizard, other. the yeah. wizard duel where they both project big fighters in the air and they fight each other. And I don't think that we've mentioned this yet, but the effects in this movie, sure, and the the rotoscoped uh, lightning for lightning. You know, you know how it was done. But it still looks really good. The the monsters, you know, they look a little hokey, but they don't look bad. And you know, there, there's a there's a moment at the end of this, and we might as well just say when when lightning is when lightning is killed, 
because all three of the storms get killed in this final battle. He gets a big stone Buddha dropped on his head. And that whole sequence, it, don't miss it. Lightning's oh, walking down a hallway. Oh, he man. sets a big grate on fire. That thing is incredible. That's one of the coolest scenes in the movie by far. To see that Absolutely. drop down behind him when he's walking forward, it's just killer. Yeah, and, and it's it's projected or something, but it looks fantastic. Yeah. And and he gets there, and he's he's coming up the hole after the, the heroes, and, uh, and Egg Shen pushes a big stone Buddha out of a hole, and it lands on his head. And he goes down, crushed by this thing, and, and just, just this lightning and fire shoots up out of a hole. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, you get past that point, uh, you get to, to the big confrontation between David Lopin and Jack Burton. Of course, there's the comical scene there where he's finally getting his hands back around uh, Gracie Law. They do a big lip lock. Jack Burton comes into the room fighting the ultimate bad guy, and he's got lipstick, lipstick smeared all over his face. And yet another thing I read about that was that that was not intentional. They saw that the makeup rubbed off, and they decided it was funny, so they kept it. Yeah. Which yeah. is awesome. I mean, but, again, it, they just yeah. wanted to make him into the doofus. Yeah. I think you can say that you can watch Big Trouble in Little China again and fall in love with Jack Burton. <laughs> but you get the scene where, again, we've talked about this knife he pulls out of his boot several times. Why not? Let's go for it again, right? So he pulls out the knife, low pans in his sights. He's a really bad thrower of this knife, man. Not even close. Yeah, just, so yeah not, it totally misses. Even the bad guy looks at him like, come on, man. Did you just do that? That was terrible. Terrible. So, you know, even even uh, Gracie Law turns and look at him like, come on, man. I could have done a whole lot better than that. What are you doing over there? Oh, everybody rolls their eyes at that, including him. Yeah. They're all just, oh, oh, this is so awful. So, of course, Lopan picks out the knife and says, goodbye, good, Mr. Burton. That's a good knife. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good knife. Re- returning to the, the at the beginning, which Wang Chi tries to cut the bottle. It doesn't cut in half. It spins across the table. It hits at Jack Burton. He catches it in his hand. He says, it's all in the reflexes. <laughs> well, here we are again. Throws the knife. Jack Burton catches it midair, throws it back, hits Lopan right in the head. Drops him. Like Lopan, who has just it. become flesh, mind you. He wasn't right. flesh a day ago. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it's kind of ironic because earlier when he was a ghost, he was wearing this big hat. That had like a, a blade, a blade that went through the hat, right? It was like it was like the needle of love. <laughs> it looked like the needle of love, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they they kill Lopan. Thunder explodes. Wang Chi kills Rain, and then at the end they kill Lightning, and then they get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, and the, uh, the guy expanding though and exploding. I mean. It's ridiculous, yeah. But at the same time, it's really cool. So it's just one of those '80s things. It it would have probably been cheesy even in the '60s and '70s for this, but there's still some really cool aspect about it. I guess because we just never really seen that in anything else except a Monty Python movie. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was kind of comical, but it was also kind of weird. You know, it was yeah. just uh, it, it fit with the whole thing. They uh, they made a movie that was singular. It wasn't like anything else. They get out of there, they get back home, settle down, things are cool. We've reunited Miao Ying with Wang, and Jack Burton has got his truck back. Everything is cool. 
But then at the end, on their way out the door, she's sitting in the doorway looking at him as Kim Cattrall can look at you. And uh, her friend says, well, aren't you even going to kiss her? And Jack looks at her and says, uh, no. nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they just, uh, he, he walks out the door. And it's right back to the beginning of the movie. It's like nothing ever happened. He's driving the truck in the middle of the night. He's chatting on the radio just like he was before. And then you get the, the monster pop up at the end on the back of the truck. So to give you kind of a hint of, hey, if this movie does well, <laughs> we may try a sequel. But I don't think that uh, that was definitely not in the cards. It's coming soon. It's a shame, though. It really should have happened. As a matter of fact, I think they are talking about a sequel. Um, at this point, they're getting into the negotiations. It's actually going to follow um, <clears throat> Gracie Law's illegitimate children and uh, as they're trying to save uh, slave girls from Chinatown in present day. And they come across the uh, the three earthquakes. I think we need a Hail Ming. Hail Ming. <laughs> it's going to be called. It's going to be called Little China Two Electric Boogaloo. Hail <laughs> Ming. Uh, uh, man, this movie's got so much stuff. We're not even doing it justice. We're just trying to skim through it and try to do some kind of format here. But when it comes down to it, this movie is just awesome. Everything about it. The music's great. It's fun. It's got great monsters in it. Great effects. Great lines. Uh, I, you know, if if you don't like this movie, then why are you even listening to this podcast? And, you know, if this is, uh, if, if this podcast sounds different than the other ones, by the way, this is our first attempt to do this remotely from two different places over Skype. And it's, uh, it's a learning curve. But uh, I think if if you guys really decide to blow up our second podcast, and you each find somebody to like this site, then I think you might be able to convince Rick and I to sing the Big Trouble in Little China theme song for a future cast. We yeah. do that. We do that just for you. We do it probably not for you too. So we probably just do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to promote here, <laughs> but so I'm just you know just because I I, I got to do it. I'm going to go through my my list of notes. And these are the things you have to get from this movie, okay? So you got the Egg Shen intro. Things start very small when he's got lightning that goes between his hands. And he shows some lawyer that he can make lightning appear. Uh, you got the, the Pork Chop Express. You got the Pie Gal Night. You got the awesome exchange between Gracie Law and Jack Burton in the airport. You got the Lords of Death and their killer sunglasses. You got Son of a Bitch Must Pay. You got Wang Chi. You got Jack Burton is kind of like Star-Lord. You got the Chinese standoff. Don't make a sound. You got Lo Pan. You got the funeral slash gang war. You got the Chang Sing with their awesome hand sign. Yamada's got some gold guns. The other dude shoots first. Green flame with the three storms. You got rotoscope lightning that looks great. You got Jack holding his knife like it's a safety blanket. You got light coming out of his mouth. Then you got Eddie and Uncle Chu, not to be you know relegated to the back. Uh, really, they are. So, you know, you got the Chinese have a lot of hells thing. You got, he looks stupid as Henry as Henry Swanson. You got, if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You got squirrels chewing on the power cables. You got, take what we want and leave the rest like your salad bar. You got the hell of boiling oil. You got the sidekick hero swap action. 
You got the hell of the upside down centers. You got Jack getting hit by a red ball. You got the the wheel. You got a wheelchair scene in there that is totally unnecessary, where he almost falls in a well. I don't even get that scene, but you got to watch it just to try and figure it out. You got Wang Chi and Eddie punching a bunch of female slave guards in the face. You got Gracie and Jack in the tunnel. You got the the. Okay, this is a scene we didn't even talk about where, where uh, he's leading all the, the women out. They save all the women from the slave trade thing. And and as they're going out, he says, all right, you know, on the other side of this door, it's a false front. You just got security <laughs> guards and storefronts. And and he opens the door. Well, it's Al Long right on the other side. Yeah. He's looking like he's going to murder somebody. <laughs> and so he shuts the door and he says, we might be well, trapped. We might be trapped. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so then you got Black Butt of the Earth. Oh, whoa, 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 you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right there at that moment, he tells the rest of them to run. And that's when <laughs> he takes this gun. That's the first time, he, you know, he, he's got the safety on the gun, and he shoots. And they're like, first time you're unplugged anybody? And he goes, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but he really doesn't seem like he, he has. Sorry, man, uh, you were okay. flowing. Get, no, get no. back on it. No, no, it's it's good, it's good. You got Black Blood of the Earth. You got Rain is awesome. As a kid, I always thought lightning was awesome, but now watching it, I realize rain is definitely the coolest of the three, in my yeah. opinion. You got, they survived the burning blade, they tamed the savage heart, prepare both women. You got, what will come out no more? <laughs> There's a creature in the bog of dead of, uh, dead trees that just eats somebody, and they don't even explain what it is. Nope. It just eats somebody. Just pops out, grabs somebody, and the action goes, you will come out no more. You know, thunder shatters a gun, you know, straight up like like Superman two style, where he just smashes it into oblivion, turns it into uh, pixie dust. He does. It, it, it's like it was made out of crystal sugar, and then Egg Shen shoots this this cannon with a big crystal in it <laughs> at at Lopan and totally misses him, a la Jack Burton style. Yeah. You got all in the reflexes. Then you got lightning with the burning ceiling. You got Egg Shen up in the hole. They say, how'd you get up there? He says, it wasn't it was easy. easy. <laughs> <laughs> then you got, you know, then you got the uh, ends with a question mark. Aren't you even going to kiss her? That, that Those are my notes. And I just, I don't know. That, that was better than the entire thing we've just recorded. That was awesome. Because that really breaks down the meat and potatoes of what makes this movie awesome. Excellent I, job. Th- thank you. And I don't mean to hog the microphone, but I, I just wanted to make sure that this was three pages of handwritten notes when I watched the movie on a snow day here, and uh, it's just a fantastic movie. I know, the, I know, the fans are happy about it. Oh, oh. <laughs> all uh, three of them. <laughs> yeah, they kind of tapered off there, didn't they? All right. Well, that's it for this one. I guess we'll just yes, give it a rating. I'll give it uh, ten six demon bags. How about that? Ten, ten six demon bags. I'll say that the colors of Big Trouble in Little China are the colors that never run. (laughs) And may the wings of Lopan never lose a feather. That's right. If you don't like this movie, then uh, you're just a loser. Bored? Lonely? Needing to find that special someone? Feel like you've been whisked off to the hell of the upside-down center? It's a big old bog of dead trees out there, full of sing-dings, wing-kongs, and the lords of death. But never fear, China is here. Give us a call at the premier dating line 
from the old, old, old country. The Low Pan Hotline is ready to hook you up with that special girl with green eyes, able to tame the burning blade and soothe the savage heart. If price is no object, ask for Mrs. O'Toole. So come on down for a love connection. It could be the one you've been waiting for for a long, long time. All right. We're back for the second movie. The one and only, the Victor Wong classic, Golden Child. And to give us a reading on the Golden Child, here's a crappy Clint Eastwood. The Golden Child is a 1986 film, a PG-13, punks, 94 minutes, an action-adventure comedy. <laughs> a private detective specializing in missing children is charged with the task of finding a special child who dark forces want to eliminate. It was a 5.9 out of 10, that's more than half. With 38,137. Make it 38, because I've seen it. It's got the legendary Eddie Murphy. He's not funny. He's serious. Helming. You know, also got Charles Dance. Dance. I bet he's got two left feet, and he has a foot loose, cut loose. Director's Michael Ricciu, something like that. And the writer... Dennis Feldman. Pretty good movie. The 1986, again, an, an Asian intrigue film, uh, The Golden Child, stars Eddie Murphy uh, as a a finder of lost children. And what so happens to happen, but uh, the reincarnation of the Buddha, I believe is what it is, or the reincarnation of an ancient uh, benevolent spirit, uh, is stolen by a demon. Yeah. So, so who has to find him? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Who else would you want on the job than Eddie Murphy, right? He's so. got a hat. He's got a hat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, typical day in Tibet. The rebirth of the Buddha or whatever he is. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the whole time they're showing the, the Buddha, the, the, there are those trappings of the reincarnation where they show, they show toys to the children and they, they pick out the one that was found by the Buddha before them. Yeah. You know, they go through all that. They bring it to him on a pillow, and he picks out the right beads, and and so they know, beads. you know. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, they could have cut to the chase because the last thing they do is they give him a big tray of dead birds, and he he resurrects one of them with his finger. Yeah. So you know you don't really need all the other stuff when he can bring things back to life. Yeah. I imagine other just, kids aren't doing that. Just cut to the chase. If you can touch a bird and it comes back alive, you may not need a special necklace. That's right. You just, just need Eddie Murphy. You just need Eddie Murphy. So during this testing of the Golden Child, before they finalize the the ceremony, whatever, in the door kicks. All of a sudden, these guys come walking in. Sada Noonsun party show up to tie this in and just show you the similarities between the two movies we're talking about today. One of Sada Noonsun's main guys is one of the three storms from Big Trouble in Little China. He's also That's right. as Tommy Tong in this movie. Tommy Tong. Tommy Tong. I would like to speak to Tommy Tong. Yeah. <laughs> what what else do they have? They have uh, they have Tex Cobb. Tex Randall Tex Cobb. That's right. Randall Tex Cobb is some kind of a uh, a challenged individual. Foo. 
Fu, who's kind of a monkey dude with a chain whip. Yeah. yeah so the demon comes in with this uh, assortment of henchmen who are all uh, carrying strange weaponry, and they go to steal the golden child. And what they use to pick him up is uh, it's, uh, it's like a birdcage. Well, and as a kid, I never understood why they did that, but now I get it because they can't touch him. Yeah. So so they have to drop this 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 cage over him and that's how they have to get him. They can't, they can't touch him because he's touch, so good. You can't touch the golden child because you'll become a happy zombie. That's right. He he'll he'll turn you. Yeah, he'll you'll do his bidding, whatever it is. But it it's probably gonna be for good, whatever he does. The, the thing is, is at this point too, with all the chaos going on with them breaking into the, the Tibetan monk monastery, whatever it is, you get this awesome pumping eighties soundtrack going on, man. We are yeah, definitely in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I think they had the same um, Los Angeles 80s montage at the beginning of Pretty Woman. Uh, it's, it's, it shows like all the signs and and like convertibles and people on the street. And, you know, they just wanted you to know it was L.A. Well, at the same time, they're showing, like you said, all the things that sh- that brings the point of where you are. And nothing says America or L.A., than like two big statues of Rocky and Bullwinkle that you will see in this montage. And I thought, wow, Rocky and Bullwinkle. America. I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that's, that's another, a good point. That's but, another yeah. mic drop right there. Maybe. Hell me. <laughs> Wait, does that mean there really isn't a Rocky and Bullwinkle? No, no, no. Rocky statue? and Bullwinkle's in there. They are in there. I, I thought... There's there's a lot of stuff in that montage. Yeah. But I was... Uh, Somewhere between the Big Donut and Rocky and Bullwinkle, the truth exists. The Big Donut. I remember that, too. Yeah, there's a Big Donut. Okay, so anyway, you got a montage of the 80s and uh, L.A. that they probably borrowed from either Pretty Woman or Beverly Hills Cop. And uh, then they bring in Eddie Murphy, who is uh, posting up posters for a missing child. And they make a point not to show the posters close enough so you can tell exactly what's on them. Right. Uh, I guess they want to reveal his his thing there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Of course, the next scene, he's kind of like on a TV show that is, you know, totally out of place for him. Uh, and he's trying to promote trying to find this missing girl. And it's some kind of talk show, local talk show. And, they yeah, and the guy's care. just, just – Yeah, they don't care. Just leading him on. But it shows the heart of Eddie Murphy in this and, and uh, uh, the lady that's – going to eventually hunt him down and try to get him involved in all this, sees him on TV, and that's what leads her to trying to track him down. Yeah, her, her name is Key. Sorry. And, uh, yeah. I, no, I, I had to look her up. Um, I, I had watched the movie again because I couldn't have remembered her name, and I had to look her up. She's been in like 30 things. She really isn't a prolific. But, you know, the guy who plays Sardo Noomspa, the, the demon? Yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, and amazing. the most recent thing that, that, uh, that I never would have pegged him for because it's so many years later is uh, if you watch Game of Thrones... He's a uh, he's Tyrion Lannister. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's Tywin Lannister. He's the Lannister dad, and he's a bad dude in that. Of course, he's you know. Yeah. Spoiler alert: He's dead now. But you know, <laughs> it's Game of Thrones. Uh, but yeah, Key Key Nang is is the character name. It's Charlotte Lewis is is her real name. She was in. Uh, there was a big. Uh, and I'm not making this up. This is <laughs> apparently uh, she had some. Uh, uh, there was a lawsuit. Against one Roman Polanski. Oh, yeah. So you know, you already know where that story goes because it's Roman Polanski. Yeah. So uh, she was, 
I think, 16, and she was in a movie that he did called Pirates. And apparently he went <laughs> pirating, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you get Roman Polanski in the story, yeah, it's never gonna yeah. be classy. It's it's a shame too because the guy is absolutely brilliant filmmaker, but uh, just not a good dude. Yeah, not a good dude. Anyways. Um so here here we go here we go. So we got the recap so far. The recap so far. You got the Golden Child looking for the toys of the older Golden Child, all to the point where he brings a bird back to life. After he does that, and all the monks are super happy, the demons come in and kill them all. The demons and their uh, their crew of uh, of strange malformed uh, martial artists, and uh, then you get into L.A. with a cool montage. Yep. Eddie Murphy on a cable access show, and he's cited out by the people who want to save the Golden Job. Yep. Yep. Then you get, uh, you know, he gets approached approach with the girl. She's out. He's out playing basketball with the kids. Remember, <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. <laughs> this is where the comic part of Eddie Murphy comes in. So originally, <laughs> this, this movie was not supposed to be a comedy at first. Mel Gibson was supposed to be the lead in this movie, and I think that fell through. So they got Eddie Murphy, rewrote the script, and put a bunch of funny stuff in. So he's playing with these kids. It's showing that he still loves working with kids or whatever. He's playing basketball. This lady approaches him key to ask him some questions pulls out this big scroll and talks about looking for the chosen one to find the missing golden child and he thinks she's crazy and thinks she's been smoking too many scrolls he tells her at one point this is one of them, he says i love working with children and one of the kids goes hey man come on he goes shut up <laughs> yeah yeah he does that a couple of times yeah um because you know key's pretty hot so he wants to hang out with her but yeah, and, uh, and and again, we we were talking earlier, but there was nobody bigger in the movie world at this time than Eddie Murphy. The guy could do no wrong. So, you know, he could pretty much just walk on and ad-lib whatever, and it was going to work. So uh, there's a lot of that in this movie. But point being made, he thinks she's crazy, uh, and she starts kind of stalking him a little bit, starts following him around, and... Uh, Eddie Murphy gets a phone call, and next thing you know, he's at a murder scene. And this is what I've never understood: what is Eddie Murphy doing at a murder scene? Well, it was the it was the girl that he was looking for. Well, that's fine, but he's not police. The cop tells him, you know, "Did you take any of those cases that I gave you?" And he goes, "No, I haven't looked at him." He says, "Still looking for kids." Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but yeah. they're trying to. I don't know. I guess they're just trying to make it look like Eddie's been at this for a while. Yeah. So, anyways, they find the the lady that he's been looking for, that uh, he's been p- taking the pictures around, the, the kid that's been missing. She's been murdered. They find a tattoo on her that uh, kind of leads them to some more leads uh, of who could have done this. He goes in the house. He's taking pictures, looking at all this. Mm, what, was, what would you say was all over the wall? Some kind yeah, of... Yeah, they're... There are these Asian glyphs that are all over the world walls to, uh, to surround the, the room on all sides with evil. Uh, because, you know, and, and he's talking to the neighbor who says, yeah, the neighbor says there was chanting at all times of the night. You know, so it's, it's bringing home that they were keeping the golden child there in L.A. for some reason. Yep. Goes and, over uh, to the stove. There's your clues. Goes to the stove. There's a bowl of oatmeal or a pot of oatmeal sitting on there, and he like, digs down into it, and you see blood in the oatmeal. And he starts. Yeah, taking, he's got the finest Polaroid camera of 1986 that you can buy, and he's taking snapshots 
of tattoos on women's thighs and bloody oatmeal. That's where we're at right now. That's the golden child. That's the golden child. So, Tattooed on women's thighs and, and bloody oatmeal. That That's the golden child in a nutshell. James Hong. He's some kind of doctor or something on here. Yeah, he runs some kind of place. And then uh, in the basement of this place is uh, is this woman who's behind a partition smoking a uh, hookah <laughs> and uh, and telling them all kinds of, uh, of truths about the golden child and about the spirit world and and uh, Eddie Murphy and Seltzer a couple of times. Sure. And you need to get out more. Stop sitting in here. But your silhouette is kicking. <laughs> so this movie's got full of one-liners, man. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a good moment because when he when he insults her from on the other side of the screen, uh, you know, he says your silhouette is kicking, and like the walls start shaking. <laughs> you know, she she's and and you know James Hong looks around, Key's looking around. They're like, uh oh. But uh, you know nothing happens of it. But obviously they they're scared of whatever this woman can do on the other side of the yeah. screen. There, that cuts away basically to seeing where the golden child is. And this is the scene we get to see where he's sitting down. And you've got these guys. They've done some kind of big ceremonial thing where they've got him in the middle. You got these evil monk looking guys that are sitting there with their faces all painted up, real you know evil looking, and they're chanting. And then you got Tex Cobb. Trying to get him, you know, he's throwing stuff at him. Uh, he's got a slingshot, and he's shooting stuff at him, and it's, of course, you know, he's deflecting him. So the Golden Child's no joke, man. He can make it happen. At this point, he makes a Pepsi can roll across the floor, and you got some good stop-motion stop animation here where the, the Pepsi can turns into a little dancing man. He's entertaining uh, Randall Tex Cobb to get him closer, hoping that he'll be able to touch him and uh, get him out of there. So, and what is the can dancing to, Rick? Putting on the ribs! Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> so yeah, uh, dancing to putting on the ribs, and then Sodom Nunza's big foot comes down and crushes the Pepsi can to stop all the entertainment, because apparently when you're evil and sinister, you can't enjoy entertainment. I think it bears mentioning that at, at some point, they were actually going to make the monkey guy into the, the main bad guy. But the fact that he couldn't talk and he wore sunglasses and he had a visor on backwards on the back of his head, it didn't resonate with uh, with audiences. They didn't think he was all that scary. Uh, so instead, they, they shunted it to that guy with the big nose who uh, gets touched in the first scene because he's kind of a samurai guy and he has a spear. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, he didn't resonate any better because people didn't understand his hat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hat. Yeah. So so they they asked uh, Sada Numspa, who also was the assassin from uh, the Last Action Hero, who had the eye that would always change. Yeah. Yikes. They they asked him, "What are you talking about, yikes? <laughs> you mean we're not going to do the Last Action Hero at some yeah, point?" Hey, sure, why not? Anyway, so this guy, you know, they asked him. They said, "Hey, will you be Sada Numspa, the demon?" And he said, "I don't know. I got nothing better to do." I, he was playing. Um, racquetball at that point um it was uh racquetball on the championship circuit and he stopped all that to act in the golden child because he thought mel gibson would be in it turns out it was eddie murphy true Sur story surprise surprise so yeah you get this little uh, golden child and they're trying to get him to eat the oatmeal because it's got the blood in it 
to get him to eat the blood. He's not pure anymore. They'll be able to sacrifice and kill him because he's pure. They get him to eat something bad, get in the system, he's killable. So that's the point of what's going on with the bloody oatmeal. And so he's sitting there not eating anything, just eating some sassafras, basically. That's all he's eating. He's got this little sprig. It's got like five or six leaves on it. And that's all he's, he's the, eating. He's a cute kid, too. Sure. That, that kid's super cute. Yep. I, I remember being struck last night watching it going, man, that kid's cute. Yeah, I'd keep him in a cage in my house, too, you know. Yeah, a little bird cage. And like, sing! <laughs> sing, kid, sing. Which is funny because the next scene, he reveals himself to Eddie Murphy in a dream. Eddie Murphy gets upside, uh, up, up and looks outside. There's sees, the bird. <laughs> sees him floating and he sees the bird and he says, Hey, bird, you see little Hare Krishna midget floating around out here? Eddie Murphy humor, folks. Classic. Hail Ming. We got the golden child, the reincarnation. We got the demons. We got the demons henchmen. We're going through the, the tundra, killing all the monks. We got a bird cage to keep the the, uh, the golden child in. We got Eddie Murphy and the montage of L.A. We got Eddie Murphy on a cable access channel. We got Polaroids of dragon tattoos and oatmeal with blood in it. Yeah. And we've got some crazy woman behind a partition who, uh, you know, spoiler alert, she's half-dragon, y'all. She's half-dragon. Yeah. The reveal on that one is uh, amazing special effects. And I usually say, the other special effects aren't that bad. That was pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of weird because I look at it again, and I can't decide if I like it or if I don't like it. Sometimes she just had like a serpentine other body, but, but she had two tails, and it, it was... I don't know, man. I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of crappy. Yeah. At that point, you say, Give me the remote control. <laughs> but other than that, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it, it, it diminished it. But she was a cool character. He gets a phone call that wakes him up, I guess. It breaks away his, his uh, concentration of what he's looking at. And it leads to the motorcycle game. They get in Body the talk? Are you talking about body Absolutely. talk by rat? Let me get there, man. <laughs> you're stealing my moment so yeah anytime they jump in the classiest 1986 Dodge Daytona that money can buy he's got some crap cars man <laughs> through this whole movie like he's driving he's driving a station wagon with a red panel on the side at one point and the rest of it's yellow it looks like Flash Gordon's ride <laughs> it's, it's, well we'll talk about that one later on but the Dodge Daytona, man. And what I remember about this car, this is the exact same car that I went on my uh, senior trip when we when we graduated. Me and five, four other guys got this Dodge Daytona. I did go to this car, same color and everything. Drove it to Florida. <laughs> I know the the beauty of this car in depth, and uh, I'm like, really, this is the car they picked. That's great. <laughs> so they pull up to where the motorcycle gang is. He tells her to stay in the car. <laughs> and he jumps over the fence and that family's having the barbecue out back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just jumps into somebody's so, barbecue. This is nineteen eighty six and you got a black guy jumping over the fence into your yard with a gun in his hand <laughs> and you're having a barbecue and he goes, It's okay. And he pulls out the gun. He's like, I ain't gonna do nothing. I just want a chip. Just want some chips and nothing else. <laughs> then he tells that dude, Flip that burger over, man, it's gonna burn. Flip it over. So it's Yeah, it really was like, an odd little aside there. And it and it does jump right into the music video on TV of Rat singing Body Talk. 
high point of the movie. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I, I want to listen to it right now. Well, if I had it on here, you could, but I don't. Maybe later. But yeah, yeah man. We'll, we'll have was, to get some rights. This is when you know you're in the MTV age of the 80s because you started plugging all these artists into movies, a la Twister Sister and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, stuff like that. Uh, so he ends up getting caught because he's not as tough of a guy as he thinks he is. So uh, <laughs> that brings up the other line where the guy's got him tied up and the guy, like, coughs on him. <laughs> and he's like, hey, hey, in my pocket is a whole pack of Tic Tacs. Take as many as you want. <laughs> Please. Uh, yeah, and so, of course, he's he's caught. Yeah, and he told Key to stay in the car. Yeah, but she didn't. Yeah, she, know, so she ends up coming in there and taking care of business, which she's there's this one part same guy that needs the tic tacs. She there's a the ceiling's kind of open and exposed. She jumps up and grabs basically a pipe that's hanging out of the ceiling and drop kicks the dude through a wall. And while she's hanging up there, the director knew exactly what he was doing at this point. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So he. She kicks him, the door, the, the the wall falls in, and water sprays all over her front while she's hanging up. And my 16-year-old self thanks you, Mr. Director. Yeah, I, I thank him, too. Well, we watched that the other night, and yeah, there's there's no doubt that that was the plan from the get-go. Yes, from sir. The, uh, the gossamer gown she was wearing and uh, everything. So you've got Rat playing on the TV, Eddie Murphy with a funny line. Hot Asian-looking lady hanging up with her shirt getting soaked. Oh! What else is there, right? So, so they they negotiate with the uh, with the biker gang, and yeah, they, the biker gang tells Eddie Murphy him, has the scene where he's got the picture of the girl, and he's holding the guy, he's making him look at the picture, and the guy's like, "Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about." And then he punches him in the gut, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that girl." You know? <laughs> yeah, because they they what they sold her for a pack of cigarettes and and a yeah. pound of uh, of, some, of mushu pork and some high C or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty bad. So they but, sold her to Tommy Tong. Tommy which, Tong, which leads them to Tommy Tong. Yeah, uh, who was kind a of a restaurant. Yeah, that's that's a little. <laughs> anyway, so they go to Tommy Tong's restaurant. Yeah, and Eddie Murphy, you know, again, you know. And I think Chris Tucker probably watched Eddie Murphy Absolutely. for his, uh, no doubt yeah. about it. Because Eddie words. Murphy in this, yeah, yeah, Eddie Murphy in this is is that uh, you know Chris Tucker in uh, in Rush Hour obviously took a couple of the uh, the whole do you understand the words coming out of my mouth and Eddie Murphy's oh, yeah. doing do you who do you know who Tommy Tong is you know it's that right and he's he's sign languaging with his hand yeah for those of you out there in podcast land which is all of you yeah I'm I'm doing the little sign language thing with my hand when i do that so. right so tommy tong owns a restaurant they they run him out eddie murphy lackadaisically kind of shoves a table at him because he pulls out these two um what their mantis swords and they're and he's chopping into stuff like crazy and then he runs out the back and he's pretty much scot-free yeah. you know keys coming and eddie's coming and he gets around a corner and 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 what, what's what's over there at the uh the dumpster there rick uh, a rat well, like the band that was just singing Body Talk? Yeah. <laughs> Rat is around the uh, the dumpster. Rat's and, they... and, he's, and he says, Carpet Day! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they start singing, Tommy Tong, I hear you, Tommy, Tommy Tong. Tom. Yeah, no. Um, 
<laughs> so they uh, actually there is just a rat there, and the rat shapeshifts yep. into Sardanumspa. So and uh, and and you know Tommy Tommy is kind of flabbergasted by this, and uh, Sardanumspa takes his sword and chops him in the face. Yeah, kills Tommy Tong right there in the street. Later, the the devil tells him. That was a good thing to do. Hey, that's pretty good. Killing Tommy Tong. Killing Tommy Tong. That sounds like the monster in Kroll asking, what are you doing in my house? <laughs> yeah, I think they were played by the same character. <laughs> Got beat out by Pee Wee Herman uh, for the Oscar that year. Filming. Uh, you're right. So, yeah, so- Tommy Tong's laying there dead. And then Eddie Murphy and Key come back up to him, and she's like, well, actually, Eddie Murphy gets there first. She's like, you killed him. No, no, I didn't kill him. <laughs> what do you think happened? I don't know. Maybe he cut himself shaving or something. Pretty much the next thing that happens is the dream, right? So, yeah. so uh, like I said, uh, Sada Numspa has this awesome scene where he's he's meditating, and the brick wall behind him just disintegrates into oblivion brick by brick. Yep. Top-notch and then screening right there, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, and he's he's in hell with all these pillars of fire that look a lot like the Spawn movie except not Stucky. And uh, yeah, uh, so he's in there and he's talking to the devil, and the devil's like, "You're right to kill Tommy Tong. No, you should go get the cross dagger of Ajanti." And so he can't touch the cross dagger, just like he can't touch the golden child. Right. So they say they'll trade the golden child for the cross dagger of Ajanti. Right. Um, so you know, it. there's the next plot point for you. So they yeah. they, the they get dream, together. The dream sequence, they, man. Uh, just in general. Yeah. I mean, everything about it. Because he, uh, he had the live audience that's in the dream. So every time Eddie, Eddie Murphy cracks a joke, they clap. Yeah, the, the applause light. Yeah, the applause know. light. And then he tells him, he asks him about, uh, he's looking pretty cool in his Morris Day jacket. Yeah, he um, he totally plays out. He realizes he's in a dream, so yeah. he doesn't have any fear. But uh, the demon's there to, to illustrate the uh, the deal that he wants to do about the the dagger. So... And then he, he uh, carves the dagger's picture in his arm with yeah. his fingernail. Yeah, and and it's it's rough looking. Yeah, it's like burning into the skin. And Eddie and, says, "You're not supposed to feel pain in your dream." That was my Eddie Murphy impersonation. Well, that was great. And then you know, when he I'm comes, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> you were right to kill Tommy Stone. And then he gets around the corner, and there's Key tied up in toilet paper. And again, my 16-year-old self thanks you. So they, they get out of the dream sequence, and he wakes up, and he looks at his arm, and there's the cross dagger of a jot. He's still drawn in, in this gory you know, trace on his arm. Very nice. So he knows that it wasn't a dream. He conveys the, uh, the deal to the, the people, and they say, well, you, know, you have to go get the cross dagger because the, the child's the most important thing. So then they go to Tibet. Yep, we're going to Tibet. They get on a a, a comical airline you know, thing where the uh, everybody's smoking and the flight attendants are like padding some dirty pillows together. <laughs> they get and, the pillows together, get all the dust out of it. You hear like chickens and stuff in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's a typical humor yeah. there. It's, it's, it's a good time. Then they get to uh, Tibet and Kathmandu, uh, and he meets. Uh, yeah, they get to Kathmandu, and uh, he meets uh, Victor Wong in the yeah. street as a, as a peddler, at least. So they head on out, and uh, and Victor Wong steals some money from Eddie Murphy. There's a really long scene where Eddie Murphy, you know, just wraps back and forth with uh, Victor Wong. They have a good 
comedy synergy there because Victor Wong is a pretty funny guy. Yeah. He really pulls his characters off well with a lot of humor. And the two of them get to talking and, and he, uh, he gives him a medallion that he didn't want for more money than he was going to spend. And he grabs Vic and uh, Eddie Murphy grabs Victor Wong up by his collar and then he's just holding clothes. Yeah. We got the, the medallion that Victor Wong gives him is important later. Um, yes. We got the fact that he's been, you know, he's been duped by him. He doesn't know who he is, but he's going to run into him later as well on his way to get uh, the cross dagger of Ajanti. So let's just recap now. So okay. we got the, the city of angels montage. We got the, the, in the mountains, the golden child is stolen in the bird cage. We've got the touch of gold that turns enemies into friends and, uh, and gets a guy with a spear killed. We got Tex Cobb. Uh, we got Eddie Mur- Murphy does some improv with a guy with a porn magazine that we didn't talk about, yeah. but it's pretty funny. Yeah. But cake, but with cake all over it. That's right. Um, then you've got a you know an exchange between Eddie Murphy uh, and the uh, the the dragon lady. You got uh, Sardanumspa the demon. You got the gang who had the girl, and we got body talk by rat. You got blood in the oatmeal. You got Tommy Tong running a restaurant because you know he seems like a real entrepreneur there. Then he gets killed by a rat demon, not the band, but a rat demon. It'd been much cooler maybe- if it was the band though. It'd been just a bunch of rat demons. Man, I think if Rat had turned into Sarnuspa and then killed him and then turned back into Rat yeah. and then did a song, yeah. that would have been – I think that that's the remake right there uh, on their way. Uh, Eddie Murphy has a lot of like where he just yells out at people. like, And he's yelling at Victor Wong while they're rowing across this big lake saying he's going to paddle his ass and he's going to row his ass. But like it really – Who's he talking to? He's just yelling. He's he's, he's like just yelling because he had to improv yeah. there. You know, he's he's Eddie Murphy. So so then we get to the cross dagger of Ajanti where he has to ask the monks for the knife. And who's the head monk? Victor Wong. And Key is is, is spinning the wheel and and you know, he's, she's asking, please so, give us the cross dagger. And he's all, like, it's all make him home. He's got he's got the bowl that's giving them the 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 pitch that they're supposed to be chanting to and. Why you don't need it? Please, I beg of you, and all this kind of stuff. And he says he stops the ringing of the bowl and says, "Let him ask." And then you get the so, infamous scene. Yeah, Eddie Murphy, you know, rapping the I I I I, I want the knife, <laughs> and then he spins it again. And he says, "Please." <laughs> so they they go ahead and they let him go for the knife. Which is some kind of an ordeal that has never been passed by anyone. They don't tell him that until he's in it. Yeah, they tell him that when he's halfway through. Well, how many people's been through here? Oh, including yourself? None. 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 So he's got to cross these these timbers that are they're all up, you know, a la Iron Monkey style, and he's got to walk across the top of them. Uh, he drops a coin down to see if there's a ground, and yeah. there's, there's no ground. ground. Monty. There's a ground, Monty. Yeah, he calls, he calls, him he calls Victor, Victor Wong Monty Hall all the time because he acts like he's doing a game show or something. Right, because he because he makes him hold this uh, this glass of water without spilling a drop. Yeah, and so he gets across the uh, the the timbers and he gets over to the dagger, you know, which is a little longer than this, but I'm not going to get into it. Uh, it's a pretty it's a great sequence. I mean, I grew up sure. in in the 80s and there were a lot of movies where they had these kind of Indiana Jones multiple traps uh, temples with ancient artifacts kind of things and i love every one of them yep. and this is no this is this is no exception it's a fantastic little little uh, ordeal that he's got to go through to get this knife 
So when he gets to the other side, you know, he's got the he, he's made it with the glass of water without spilling it. And every time he reaches for the dagger, the fires jump up and there's fire under the dagger and, and he can't reach it. So uh, he looks at the water and then at the fire and then he figures it out. Yeah. He says, Dumonti. <laughs> he drinks the water and when he drinks the water, the uh, the flames, the, the flames go down and this this cool blue light goes around the uh, the dagger and he yep. and he pulls it out and he says, ha, I got the dagger. I got the knife. Now turn on the you know what lights. That's Eddie Murphy. We can only edit so much. Yeah. You know what Jack Burton always says? Well, Jack always says, what the hell? All right. All right. So so they've got the cross dagger. Yep. And they've got to get it through the airport. Well, they, you know, he, he talks to Victor Wong about, you know, about his love for Key and she's in love with him. Turns out Victor Wong is Key's dad. Yep. Didn't see that coming. No, because it doesn't matter. It's Victor Wong. That's all that matters. That's true. James Hong doesn't have nearly as much of a part in this one. And then, again, they were both in the same. They were both in both of these movies in the same year. So, hardworking guys. So anyway, they they get to the airport, and Eddie Murphy does some more improv where he gets the knife through by by building up the <laughs> they, by by insulting some guy, <laughs> and then building up the guys with the machine guns, and then getting on the plane with the knife. He acts like he's an undercover agent for ancient artifacts. It's set up a Beverly Hills Cop moment, you know, where sure. he's just fast talking his way through. Yeah, right. So he gets back to L.A. and and Sardar Numspa is waiting for him, uh, and he figures he'll just impound the da- he'll just get the cops to take the dagger, saying it's his property because he's got money, so he he can he can make it. And Eddie Murphy kind of flips the script on him and tells him, "Hey, look, I'll go along with this, but you know, if they take this knife, it's going to go to court, and if it goes to court, it's going to sit in evidence. So, uh, you know, it's your move." Yeah. And then he, he kisses him on the cheek and makes Sarah Nuspa real mad and uh and gets away. Yeah. And uh so you know, you got Eddie Murphy's like 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 Rick said, he has fallen into this uh this chosen one role and he's decided he's just gonna play it for all it's worth, you know, a la Bruce Campbell style. Yeah. With the uh the chosen one there. He's he's like, All right then, I'm the chosen one. Yeah. I'll just do whatever I wanna do. So so then there's a weird kind of kind of scene where he's got the the dagger and it's in a suitcase that's that's handcuffed to him, and he decides that being in a house is dangerous because he hears something outside. So he goes outside, and then he gets attacked by the monkey dude and and the guy with the crossbow and and Sada Numspa where they're going to take the knife. And Key's trying to protect him, and she gets shot. Yeah, by a crossbow while doing somersaults. Right, and now, this was one of the things that always bugged me as a kid. You know, if 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 you're if you're going by Sardinuspa and he's got the crossbow and you're trying to keep him from shooting your dude, why don't you stop and kick the crossbow? Yeah. Why are you going to flip all the way over there and get shot in the back? You do 15 somersaults to get in front of him to block it, but you did one turn too many, maybe I guess, and it hit you in the back. Well, what did they do? They get the dagger. They got it from yeah. him because he had to go outside. Oh, I think it's not safe in this house. I'm going to climb over the balcony into the yard. I, anyway, so so then, you know, the dagger is gone. And I think at this point, to be honest, I think at this point, the makers of the movies had just decided that they didn't know how to end it. Because Probably, yeah. They steal the, the dagger, and then he figures out where Sada Numspa is. And this is after he tears down the, the screen, you know, because he's mad because yeah. she's gotten shot and she's dead. She's dead. And so and the, dr- the whole thing of being the golden child or being the chosen one is kind of, you know, 
not doing all the things for him like he wish it would. So now he's upset. Kicks open the the divider. Well, the dragon lady, the dragon lady tells him, you know, as long as there's still sunlight touching her body, the golden child can bring her back. And he's like, you don't come back. And he tears down the screen, and there's the weird dragon lady yeah. moment there. The effects there that you could go back and fix. If anything needs fixed in that movie, that's what you would fix, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think they should have just kept her behind the screen. So for but, you um, guys that uh, like the Dan and Bennett uh, fat movies and fast-forward part, this is the part you would kind of just go, yeah. It looks just as good in fast-forward as it would if you stopped and watched it. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, so so again, they didn't know how to end this movie. So they said, well, we think we know where Sardo is. I don't even remember how they figured out how he is, but he's in some house. And this is where Eddie Murphy's driving this this station wagon that's yellow with a red or the red panel like because they can't find him any good cars to drive and he gets to this house and you know he goes inside and and what's in the first room it's just the dagger it's just sitting on a pillow in an empty room yeah this thing that they fought so hard to get that's the only thing that can kill their enemy and the devil wanted him to have it and you know they're just gonna leave it in a room just leave it laying and you around. think well maybe it's a trap for him right so he goes over and he picks it up no, nothing happens. He's all right. Now, in the meantime, the Golden Child has touched Tex Cobb. That's right. So Tex Cobb is now on their side. Yep. He's and he... Happy zombie. Yeah, he breaks uh, the crossbow guy's neck. Yeah. And when he breaks his neck, you know, he, he goes, shh, and Eddie Murphy follows him. Yep. Um, and he takes him to the Golden Child, and uh, guess, guess what happens next? They save the Golden Child and with the knife. Well, I mean, they needed a lot of time for this final showdown between Sardar Numspa and uh, and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you know, uh, and I'm I'm kind of on the fence about that part too because you know he turns into the you know twelve foot demon or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say twelve feet. Yeah, something like that. Twelve, twenty it, feet. He's he's like a skull faced claymation demon. Is about twelve feet tall. Yeah, and in some ways, it's really cool. In some ways, you go, eh, you know. They, they kind of had that problem where putting claymation on the film with your character looked hokey. Yeah. But but they, they tried to put it in modern day, so it looked extra weird. There's there's some scenes in it to, that really works, and then there are some that just really don't. And it's hard to even determine if it's claymation at times or if it's just a big puppet. So there's, yeah. there's some weird things there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's still fun. It's still entertaining. So they they chase the golden child and Eddie Murphy in the car to this big water tower, yeah. and they run into the water tower again. You know, like Eddie Murphy doesn't feel safe in the car, so he jumps out of the car and runs into a water tower. And the demon drops into the water tower, and they fight. And then um, the water tower collapses on the demons. So it's probably a good move on Eddie's part. Yeah, yeah. So gets to use the knife. The demon tries to stab Eddie Murphy with the knife. The necklace that Victor Wong gave him protects the knife from stabbing him, bounces it back. Uh, extra force of good power, I guess, they're causing that to happen. Right, right. The, the, the medallion that he didn't want, you know, his yeah. magic protection amulet. Just an ugly piece of metal, basically. So what do they do? They, you know, they, they run back to get the golden child to key before the sun's no longer shining on her body and and on the way there they're walking across this big empty room and who should pop up through the floor sarda noomspa he yeah he jumps up through the floor and, and his, his wings are all messed up yeah. and he 
and so he, he fights it, and and, uh, and the golden child just being there kind of puts him in this this stasis where he can't move. And Eddie Murphy, you know, the way he couldn't do before with the golden child still with him, is able to just run up there and just puncture him with the knife where he explodes. Yeah. It just explodes. It's the only explosion, and I touch it and it explodes. The only explosion I can compare to that would be the explosion in Jaws 3D. Hail Ming. Anyhow, they run across the way, and 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 uh, the Golden Child touches Key, and he actually has to lift her ankle. Yep, lifts her foot up to get to her her big toe in the light, so he can touch her toe and bring her back. Okay, another thing. As a kid, I was like. So as long as the light touches her body. So it's kind of like an hourglass thing, right? Yeah. But then he just lifts up her body and puts her in the light again. Yeah. But I think it might, you know, it might have been like a sunset thing, you know, like as long as the light's there. Yeah. yeah I think anyway, brings her back to life. Good prevails. And uh, Eddie Murphy makes sure to give the golden child a hat because he's yeah, bald. Because he's bald. He doesn't want kids messing with his head. So to make him Americanized, he gets in some jeans and a shirt and a baseball hat. Welcome to America. And he shows them that montage from the beginning. All right, so here we go. Here's what you need to watch for in The Golden Child. You need to watch for in the mountains, the reincarnation is taken by a bunch of demon henchmen. You need to watch for the montage of L.A. that is so 80s it hurts. You need to watch for uh, the golden child stolen in a birdcage. You need to watch for the touch of gold that makes enemies into friends and gets those enemies abruptly killed. You need to watch for Tex Cobb. You need to watch for Eddie Murphy uh, uh, really bugging people at the porn store there. Uh, you need to watch for the, the girl behind the panel who is not a good-looking dragon, but it's pretty cool until you get to see her. Um, you need to watch for Eddie Murphy having the exchange with the guy where the guy says, that's good for the his yak groin. It's good for keep the yang up. Keep the yang Ain't nothing wrong with my yang. Um, you need to watch for uh, Sardin Numspa, the demon, uh, the gang who had the girl and all of their great lines, uh, along with the, the water pipe bursting scene, which is definitely worth, you know, rewinding and watching at least twice. Uh, I, I know why they chose that sign because uh, that song, because her body talked. You need to watch for blood in the oatmeal. I know that's a little out of sequence. You need to watch for Tommy Tong. And his uh, ill-fated, uh, his ill-fated running with the rat, slash, not the band. Yeah. Um, you need to watch for the brick wall behind Saranuspa uh, disappearing and the uh, the commune with the devil. Going to Tibet, Victor Wong's great scene as the beggar. The cross dagger of Ajanti sequence is all fantastic. Yep. Um, turn the lights back on. The, the dream sequence, which comes earlier, I know that, again, that's out of sequence. My notes are kind of kind of jarbled, but that whole dream sequence is worth watching. It's fun. Then, uh, you know, then you can just kind of fast forward all the way to the end with the demon and decide how you feel about it because it's a pretty good sequence. But like Rick said, it's got some like, you know, giant hand behind the, the camera thing and it's got like some weird claymation stuff. And uh, it's, it's worth seeing just to say you saw it. Yep. Hey, I mean, that's, that's a good list. So it's kind of a mixed bag on this movie. I absolutely love this movie. It's still a fun movie. And it could be just from the fact of, you know, I was 16 years old. You're talking about dealing with quotable. Both of these movies we talked about, tons of lines that you can use in any situation. 
Uh, it's just fun. It's just a rock'em sock'em robot kind of movie. It's a lot of fun. I think Eddie Murphy kind of ran away with it in a way that only Eddie Murphy could at the pinnacle of his career. Yep. Where you know they they kind of let him have some leeway, and he took as much as they'd let him have. I give it ten ten Tommy Tongs. Oh, yeah, ten Tommy Tongs. That you know, in watching it, I think it lost something. It's a, it's definitely your blockbuster, but it, I think it got a little dated. So I think I might give it. Eight and a half Tommy Tongs. Eight and a half Tommy Tongs. Well, something we forgot to do, and we forgot to tell you about this too, but, you know, we've got another person that we want to chime in as far as what they think about these movies as well. You get to hear him a little bit in the last episode, but uh, he didn't get to cover Big Trouble in Little China with us, but we're going to include him on this one, and that is the incredible voice of (laughs) Brian Blessed. So when we ask him what he thinks about the movies... He lets us know. So, Brian Blessed, what is your thoughts on The Golden Child? But there's no way I can help a man who's dead. Okay, that's what he thinks about the movie. <laughs> he's uh, irrefutable to Brian Blessed, and he's, yep. he's amazing. He speaks the truth. Hail Ming. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. special of the golden child oh i had to think about it for all two seconds yeah man it didn't take much i really like that eddie murphy boy with his laughing and dancing and clowning around i so do love that eddie murphy boy yes this is a once in a lifetime offer to celebrate the 29th anniversary of the classic movie retold as only randy can But things are going well I think I can lead this world to hell As soon as I can knock off the bald-headed golden child You know the whole wild world will be surprised When the cities burn and the oceans rise Then they realize it's because I killed a golden child You know there is one problem There could be a fight When the chosen one gets a big old knife But I was thinking you could change me to a 12-foot demon It would really help me out 
So if you're listening to my request, just tweet to me, send me a text so I can kill Buckwheat and then the Golden Child. Yes, it's fun for the whole family. And you'll never see the movie the same way again. Order yours today. I'm still looking for the golden child. I'm still looking for the golden child. You know I'm looking for the golden child. Where is he? You don't know. I don't know. Hey, All right, everyone. That's our show for this time. Appreciate you hanging out. Don't forget the Facebook page, checking it out, giving us more ideas. We're learning as we go. We're having a blast with this. Love covering these movies and spreading the joy. And we appreciate you working with us on this uh, at this time when we're working through the glitches of uh, of working from remote locations and also uh, you know figuring out the technology that we need. Making sure it sounds good for you and making sure that it's stuff that you want to listen to. So keep the input coming, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, we've got a couple of thanks we want to give out. Uh, I want to thank Jacob Canaday for the help. You kind of hear his voice on some different things with us, so we're glad to have him involved. Also, we both need to thank our families, too, because they're putting up with us getting together and putting this stuff together and letting us get to have a little playtime. So, uh just very thankful that we can do this together and just have a good time. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Till we see you again. Au revoir. <laughs>